0: Brian McClanahan Show, episode 356. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on this program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page and subscribe to my YouTube page. You can find all those social media accounts at my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B R I O N. McClanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to McClanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll at McClanahanacademy.com. And you get a free course, 10 Myths of American History. You also get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. I've got one coming out. Later this month, so you're going to want to get that in addition to the two classes that I released earlier last month. There's 12 classes now that we've got at McClanahan Academy. All great classes. It's a win-win. You help support this podcast, keep it free of charge, and you get great content too. So go out to mcclanahanacademy.com, enroll there free of charge, and then purchase a class and keep this podcast going. You can also go to brianmcclanahan.com, click on that support tab at the top of the page, you can throw a few pennies my way, help keep these lights on, help keep the podcast going that way. You can also get your book plate. If you want my autograph of on one of my books, purchase one of those book plates. I'll autograph it for you, send it out to you. Got a new book out, Southern Scribblings. You're going to want to get that one too. 60 Essays in Defense of the Southern Tradition. So lots of great ways to support the show. Click on that shop tab at or, I'm sorry, BrianMcClanahan.com. You can get your Brian McClanahan Show logo and all kinds of cool stuff. You can get your Think Locally, Act Locally logo. And of course, rate this podcast wherever you get podcasts, share it around on social media, send me a show request, anything you want to do to help contribute to the show because uh, I want to make this show likable to you and also increase the audience. And organic growth is the best growth. So if you tell your friends about it, they're going to want to listen to it and on down the line. So I appreciate all of your support and all of your input. All right, let's talk about the topic of the day, and it is something that... Uh, Lou Rockwell ran over the weekend by Judge Napolitano, maybe it was Friday, uh, on words used to incite. So it's basically a, a discussion of free speech. And Judge Knapp does this a lot. It's one of his, particularly in, in the modern climate, it's one of his things that he, he discusses quite frequently, and that is the freedom of speech. Now, I'm going to take, I'm, I'm going to look at that article and I want to talk about it because he's talking about President Trump and inciting violence. Now, you've often heard this phrase, you know, the clear and present danger, or can you go and yell fire in a crowded movie theater? We know the Supreme Court has come down and said, well, that's a violation of free speech because it can incite violence, or it can incite panic. But I want to get to this at the heart of what's actually going on in America right now, and that is cancel culture. You see, cancel culture... It's not really about culture. It's it's more about the restriction of words, as Frank Zappa said. If you've never seen Frank Zappa on Crossfire in 1986, go out there and look at this. And what I find interesting about this particular debate, it's Frank Zappa essentially against the three other panelists. And this was at the heart of the Tipper Gore situation with parental advisory stickery stickers on records. I remember when all this was going on, and uh, there was an effort, of course, to ban certain types of music because of the language in the music. And much of this music wouldn't be played on the radio anyways. And of course, anyone who's gone around and and heard some of the garbage that that now passes for music, uh, and some of the the lyrical content, which is awful stuff, uh, you know that what these people were trying to do, in their own mind, was stem this. They were trying to block this from happening. Now, Zappa went on crossfire and said, these things are just words. And this is something he'd also said in 1969. He was on an interview in 1969, nearly 20 years before this, saying the exact same thing. These are just words. And the, he said, at that point, the four most popular words of the English language were for profanities. And if you go back and look at, read David Hackett Fisher's Albion Seed, and you look at what the Celts, the Celtic peoples, the Borderlands peoples, these ruffians who settled in the mountain regions of America, the words they used to use, and of course, the actions of people, even in Puritan America. People are often shocked about how the Puritans, uh, and into the Middle Ages, back into the Middle Ages, how these people, their morals were different than what we conceptualize their morals of being. Much different than what they are now. It's the Victorian age that changed all of this in the middle of the the 1800s. The Victorian age changed the way we think of language, the way we think of uh, relationships between people. It's the Victorian age that created the modern, for lack of a better word, prudish American society and prudish European society, even though the Europeans are not quite as prudish as Americans. But regardless, uh, when you look at what's happening in cancel culture and you look at what Zappa was saying, you know, when you have these things, they're just words. And he said that words have no impact. Words have no impact on society whatsoever, uh, that these words are simply benign. Now, we could question that and say, well, maybe some words do have an impact on society. Maybe some of these things, as as you actually start saying things that are violent or could be considered dangerous or could be desensitizing, that uh, that would be problematic for America. And this term problematic even is something that the left likes to use now. That could be problematic for America. For example, there was a debate between comic Dave Smith and the so-called libertarian Andy Craig where Andy Craig said you shouldn't have alt-right people on your Platform because that just gives them a voice that gives them this is this is problematic because you're essentially encouraging these people. Well, Smith said, "I'm not encouraging them. I'm asking them to define what they're doing and, uh, and 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 these are thoughts, these are words, and we can ridicule them." This is exactly what Frank Zappa was saying in 1986. If these words are on music, if these words are there and these these bad things are there. Wouldn't that be better to expose them so we can criticize them? But you see, the heart of cancel culture is that they want that to be there, but yet they want to prohibit you, at least in their direction, from saying the things that they don't like. In other words, it's okay for them to have, uh, you know, take your pick of something that would be rotten morally on uh, on a a, a a song, right? I mean, we can... Uh, Talk about some of the stuff that's been uh, produced here recently, and some of it is just rotten morally. It's okay to have that, but if you have something that they don't like, well, it's not okay to have that. You see, cancel culture is about uneven free speech. And this is where Judge Napolitano is rock solid and where he does a good job of explaining these things. What cancel culture is about is uneven liberties, And we know this, we we see it with the hypocritical left, we see it with the hypocritical establishment class. They want you to do certain things, but yet they don't think that they're bound by those same rules. Look at Nancy Pelosi not wearing a mask and going to a salon in San Francisco when the salons are supposed to be closed and she's supposed to be wearing a mask. Well, she doesn't do those things. Well, of course not, because those rules don't apply to her. But in reality, what's happening here, this is actually real puritanical liberty. Because the Puritans did not believe in universal liberty. They did not believe in liberty across the board, freedom across the board. In fact, as you moved up in society and accepted or gained certain positions, you gained liberties. It was unequal liberty that the Puritans were interested in. You could say the Virginians might have believed in the same thing with hegemonic liberty, but yet the Virginians believed that that liberty needed to be passed down to others as well, They protected it for themselves and they would then give that liberty to others. This is something that people like Charles Sidnor and even uh, David Hackett Fisher have pointed out uh, in Albion Seed. But uh, that said, the piece that I want to talk about with Napolitano gets into the president inciting violence. Is there a prohibition on inciting violence? And he does this in a very legal way, what the courts have said. But if we're just talking about liberty and we're talking about what this means, then cancel culture is extremely dangerous in that it's selecting these certain types of liberty. And I go back to that Frank Zappa crossfire appearance because, again, all three individuals in that particular appearance, other than Frank Zappa, one was a columnist at the Washington Times. And, of course, you had uh, one, uh, an individual on the left and the right. And I'm, I'm not going to get into who they were. But they all said uh, the government should have a role in prohibiting these things. Now, what happens if the government that you don't like or the government that you don't agree with now has a role in choosing? And this is what Frank Zappa was saying. He said we should all be afraid of the government having a role in determining what we can and cannot see, listen to, hear, whatever the case may be, because who controls the government? Now, in the case of Maryland... I would say that Maryland can do this. Maryland can essentially have laws as long as it does not violate their own constitution against speech. Now, if you look at the Maryland Constitution, this could be problematic for the Maryland Constitution because the Maryland Constitution is pretty solid on free speech. But what constitutes speech? Is it language? Is it something else? And, of course, uh, Zappa was very clear to point this out. He said, "Look, we're talking about words. We're not talking about actions. We're not talking about visual stimulation. We're talking about words. So, what is it? Now, in this 1969 interview, there was this was brought up about violence. It's okay to punch people, to shoot people, and do these things. But yet, certain things are not there. So, what are we? What's okay and what's not okay? And this gets back into our Victorian sensibilities about what's okay and what's not okay." to see and watch and view in various mediums. But Zappa was saying, look, these things are just words. Words don't hurt. And this goes back actually to Jefferson. And and Napolitano brings up that quote. So let me get into this Napolitano piece. It's entitled, Has President Trump Incited Violence? September 3rd, 2020. He says all states have laws that prohibit assault and destruction of others' property. States and the federal government also have laws that prohibit bystanders from encouraging others to engage in violence. The latter is known as incitement. When violence has erupted in American streets between groups supporting President Donald Trump and those opposed to him, and he encourages supporters to be much tougher than the other side and to hit back, did his use of intemperate words incite violence. Now, let me just stop there. And this is something that when I did the episode on the federalization of police forces in Portland. And I said, look, the president cannot do this constitutionally. If they're just protecting the courthouse, if they're standing there, standing guard of the courthouse, okay. I mean, look, that's federal property. All right. You can stand there. But these guys weren't just doing that. They were going out on the streets and pushing back against the mob. Okay. Now, we all want to see these Antifa idiots get their butts handed to them. And there's that there's a great satisfaction to that, right? I mean, it is. And Trump is saying the exact same thing. You should push back against these. people. Are The reason that Trump is in office is because people were tired of being called all kinds of names, and they wanted somebody who would push back. They wanted somebody who would hit back and tell the news media they're fake, tell the left they're a bunch of idiots, who would do things like tell the, Department of Education not to use the 1619 curriculum to do these things. If we're going to have this apparatus in place, we want somebody to control it who's going to hit the left just as hard as they hit the right. The problem is Trump is an aberration, and as soon as he's out, which could be within just a few months, the left is going to come back harder. Joe Biden is an empty suit. Joe Biden can't even get out of his own way. I love the quote where Trump said, Joe Biden doesn't even know if he's alive. I mean, it's hilarious, right? Because he doesn't. In fact, what you have in the Democrats is an empty suit and someone who will do anything that you tell her to do so she can gain power. She is unabashed in her quest for power. Look at what she did in San Francisco and California. This is a woman who will do anything to gain power. And so you have two puppets as president and vice president. Biden just wants to be president. He just wants to be able to put that on his tombstone. He's already said, I've got one term in me. That's it. He just wants to be president. Joe just wants to get to the Oval Office and be there for a little while and make idiotic speeches and say stupid things. He just wants the trappings of it all. He's been in Washington so long that he wants to have the trappings of it. Kamala Harris is power-hungry. And if you told Kamala Harris, look, in order to be president, you're going to have to take out such and such people in, in the American population, she would do it. Because she just wants the power. She doesn't care. It's clear by everything she's done. She panders, she flip-flops, she's very upfront about abusing power. She is dangerous. Because and, and see at the other the, the, the hardcore left is then. Pulling all the strings. This is what people need to realize about these idiots that are on the Democrat side. Trump, though, has ticked a lot of people off because he does not tow the establishment line on everything. Even though you can look at Trump's policies, or at least what the Republicans have done, and some of this stuff is just absolutely awful. Spending is through the roof. Deficit spending. Infringement on civil liberties. I mean, there's a lot of it there in the Trump administration. No question. But Americans on the right just wanted someone to push back. And that's exactly what Trump is doing here by saying you got to hit back and you got to be tougher. So Napolitano continues, but let's talk about this with speech. Napolitano continues, the use of federal and state incitement laws has a long and sordid history, which nearly always ends with the punishment of those expressing an unpopular viewpoint. Exactly. Cancel culture. The problem is cancel culture. An unpopular viewpoint, an unpopular word. These are just words. For the 1900s to the 1950s, the states and the federal government prosecuted people who didn't, did no more than utter words. The prosecutor argued that the words encouraged harm and therefore were a clear and present danger, what I mentioned earlier on in the, in the podcast. Some folks were even prosecuted and convicted for belonging to groups that encouraged violence, though the individual defendants never personally did the encouragement. These prosecutions, largely upheld by the Supreme Court, defied defied the clear language and plain meaning of the First Amendment. It states that Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. James Madison, who drafted the Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments to the Constitution, insisted that the article, the, precede freedom, as in the freedom of speech, so as to make it manifestly clear that those who proposed and ratified the First Amendment recognized that the freedom of speech preceded the existence of the government. The freedom of speech preceded the existence of government. In other words, Napolitano was getting into natural law and natural rights. The government did not give you the freedom to to speak, but you had that freedom and then government protected that freedom. To the signers of the Declaration of Independence and the ratifiers of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the freedom of speech, along with other freedoms, is a natural right because it comes from our humanity, not from the government. I recount this brief history and offer this small philosophical nuance because the freedom of speech is supposed to be a bulwark against prosecutions for speech. Thomas Jefferson once argued that since words neither picked his pocket nor broke his legs, all words are protected. I love that quote. Words neither picked his pocket nor broke his legs, all words are protected. That was the common understanding of the freedom of speech at the creation of our republic. So think about these people in Portland. Now, are these words picking their pocket or breaking their legs? Well, the words aren't. Of course, these individuals are Well, then you prosecute action, not words. You prosecute action, not words. That was a common understanding of freedom, speech, and creation of our republic. Sadly, that understanding gave way to the exercise of raw power and the fear of losing power when Congress in 1798, during the presidency of John Adams, enacted the Alien and Sedition Acts. One of those acts made it a crime to utter false, scandalous, or malicious speech against the government or the president or to utter speech in opposition to the government's efforts to shore up defenses from a war with France that never came about. It is hard to accept that some of the same human beings who ratified Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech also enacted laws that abridged speech. But they did. Now, here's an important nuance to this. There were those that said that Congress can't do this, but the states can, because the states, of course, could do these things. The central authority could not, as long as it didn't didn't, uh, infringe on the state constitutions and the state declaration of rights, which we could argue it all did. But again, these are just words. What you can do here, this is 1798, this is cancel culture in 1798. We don't like what you're saying, so you can't say it. We don't like what you're saying about this person or this group of people or this thing, so you can't say it. That is dangerous because what happens if the federal government or the state government makes it a crime to do the other way, right? To go after the other side in that particular way. Eventually, Jefferson defeated Adams for president and the Federalists in Congress repealed their own anti-speech portion of the acts, lest the Jefferson, Jefferson administration have it available as a tool for repression against them. That was hardly necessary as Jefferson pardoned those who had been convicted under Adams for uttering speech in violation of the acts. Regrettably, the history of free speech in America is not the history of patient tolerance. Rather, it's the history of the government violating the First Amendment. This is true. The general government. This is where Zappa is saying these things are just words. What are we doing here? And we should be suspicious of any government that would try to go out and ban words. This is exactly what's happening with cancel culture. The people that are proponents of it want the government to go in and do these things. Now, they're also doing it through private initiative. They're also doing it in a way that uh, you know, your corporation can ban what you say, and they can fire you for it. They can say these things are okay and these things aren't, and aren't within the walls of our business. It's private property. You have, the, you have the ability not to work for these people, right to work, So you could say, I'm not going to work for them. But we also get into this with the Internet and censorship and other things. Should these entities like Facebook or Twitter have the ability to to, uh, prohibit speech when they're acting as a public platform? That's the problem. Anyone can say that Facebook and Twitter are private entities, but they act as a public platform. And because they act as a public platform, should they have the ability to suppress certain types of speech? Some speech, but not others. This becomes a big question. He says, uh, Napolitano continues Even in the present era, the so called Patriot Act of 2001 forbids the recipient of a non judicial search warrant from using speech to tell anyone about the receipt of the warrant. From time to time, the Supreme Court is entered this gloomy picture in an effort to define just how far one can go with uttering words that the government hates or fears. Its most significant modern advance in that direction came in a unanimous opinion in 1969, the same year that Zappa was on TV talking about words, called Brandenburg v. Ohio. In that case, Clarence Brandenburg, a KKK leader, set out to incite violence against Jews and blacks in Washington, D.C. But he did so by encouraging violence at a rally in Hamilton County, Ohio. Though he acknowledged that violence was his purpose, he claimed his words were protected. He was convicted under Ohio law that prohibited inciting violence, even if the violence never comes about. The Supreme Court reversed his conviction, holding that it violated the First Amendment. The court ruled that all innocuous speech is absolutely protected, and all speech is innocuous when there is time for more speech to rebut it. Since Brandenburg spoke in Ohio and the violence he sought to foment was in was to have occurred in Washington. There was obviously time for saner heads to utter speech, rebutting his hateful words. Now back to the present use of words to incite violence. President Trump has been accused of inciting violence by the use of his words. He has said many times, when the blooting starts, the shooting starts. Knock the crap out of him. There are very fine people on both sides of this violence. Any guy who can do a body slam, he's my type, and the audience hit back. That's what we need a little more of. Even though the president's language was referring to violence in American cities last summer and this summer, and even though his supporters may take some consolation in his harsh and supportive words, because there was time for more speech to rebut what he said, his words are protected. He says, I write this as a constitutional analysis, not a political one. The voters will decide if Trump's words are prudent or helpful or even presidential, but the courts will leave him alone. In essence, Judge Knapp is making a case against cancel culture. He's siding with Frank Zappa. These are just words. And you have, other, you have time to say things against these things we shouldn't police words you can say that the first line of defense of course is yourself on this particular show i've made it a conscious effort not to use bad language i listen to podcasts or interviews where that's just all over the place and we could say well i mean you know these words are heard all the time by kids or any, but do we not have to hold ourselves to higher standards sometimes and try to change the language of America. And that's the point. But certainly those words are protected and it, I would not have I would not say a word to these people that use that type of language because it's protected and they can do what they want. It's their show. And I don't think that type of stuff should be regulated. And the internet of course has opened all of this up. I mean no, not many people listen to the radio anymore. They listen to other things. And so the Internet has opened this up, and now people have a, uh, a different taste. And uh, I think that that's okay. Uh, when we get involved in censorship, cancel culture, canceling these things, not having these things, we're creating a major problem moving forward because who controls the reins of government? And even DePolitano pointed this out. Well, I mean, the Federalists didn't want the Jeffersonians using it against them. This is what Calhoun mentioned. Look, I mean, it's always a, a, a scramble for the spoils of government, and whoever's in power is going to use the Constitution to their advantage. Uh, I'm sorry, is, is going to uh, to ignore the Constitution. Whoever's not in power is going to talk about constitutional restraint. Well, because there's no teeth in any of it. If you took my Southern cultural intellectual history part two, I get into what Const- what uh, Calhoun said about that in his disquisition on government. All right, so. I like this piece. I think it's important to remember that cancel culture is simply about the suppression of words because they think those things are dangerous. Reality is action that's dangerous, not words. And there's time for people to have cooler heads. Again, what Zappa was saying, well, look, we have time to refute these things. If we actually talked about this stuff, we'd have time to refute these things. All right. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. I will see you tomorrow. See you then.